In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! This is the word of the Lord. Ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp ride on to die. O Christ, thy triumphs now begin o'er captive death and conquered sin. This hymn text for Holy Week sums up the entirety of Advent and Christmastide. While trees are erected and carols sung with joy, and even while manger scenes make their way onto the mantle, the reason for the season, nevertheless, remains overlooked. There is a reason you do not hear the triumphal entry from St. Matthew on Palm Sunday, where it seems to belong. That is because this text has its place today, to preach to you the nature of the Advent season as it begins in the new year. Your manger scenes at home are quaint and idyllic, full of Christmas cheer at the coming of the divine babe, and rightly so. Yet how many of them see the flesh of God hanging upon the cursed tree of Calvary? How many depict the icon of Jacob's vision, angels not heralding the birth of a child, but ministering to the dying flesh of the innocent? How many depict the infant lowly in a feeding bin as the beast of burden he truly is? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, your King is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. In lowly pomp, ride on to die. The Son of God comes as a king. Blessed indeed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and most worthy to be praised, for he comes to die. This reality is certainly staggering, but it is not difficult. It does not require great learning or deep study. Even children can see, understand, and believe. The end and purpose of the Lord's ride into Jerusalem should come as no surprise. After all, it has been proclaimed by prophets and wise men, foretold by St. John the Baptizer and by Jesus himself. It is necessary for the Son of Man to be betrayed, to be tortured and crucified, and on the third day 
to rise again. This is how the government is placed on his shoulders, how he seeks the one sheep that had strayed, and how he makes atonement for his bride, and even how he sends angels to say, do not be afraid. The purpose of this ride, even as the purpose of his birth, is nothing but death for your salvation. Your long-awaited king is coming to you, O Jerusalem, and he comes for one reason, death. He rides into Jerusalem in humility as a foretaste of the humiliating death that is to come from within. His lament against this holy city begins on this day to take form. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets, and stones those who are sent to her. Here he rides, a king none expected, and soon the king whom none will desire. Here he rides, the beast of burden upon a beast of burden, riding to the place where God himself will provide the lamb for the offering. Here he rides, to his death, Yes, Christ comes to forgive sins. Yes, Christ comes to bring the peace of his presence amidst suffering. Yes, Christ comes to bring life and salvation. Yet these goals are not in any way removed from the means of their fulfillment, which is found singularly in death. The good gifts that the Father bestows upon you with gladness for the sake of Christ are only permitted by divine law because Christ has tasted death for you. In so doing, he has destroyed hell for you and opened heaven for your uninhibited access to the fullness of God. Behold, O daughter of Zion, behold, O church, the king of kings, unlike all kings, now rides into creation bearing flesh. Behold his entry by the spirit of the blessed Virgin Mary. Behold his ride of humility and servitude, his ride of submission to the will of his Father in heaven and our Father in heaven. Behold his ride to the altar of God, where that which God demands is provided by him. Behold his ride to the cross and to the grave, in order that he might lead you to dwell safely in your own land, apart from sin, apart from evil apart from all that would seek to sever you from the love of God. The nations do not gather to this king. Instead, he comes to them. He comes to you. He does not come to those who have earned a visit from royalty. He does not appear to those who have merited condescension. He comes in accord with divine 
objective truth. He comes to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. He comes to fulfill what was spoken by God. He comes to die. It is for this reason the season of Advent is a season of penitence, a season of restraint and of fasting. It is for this reason that Violet adorns the sanctuary. You await the coming of a king, a king who comes to save his people from their sins according to the promise of God. What better color is there for such a king than the Violet of royalty? He wears this robe as he continues his ride to death, not in the city, but on his way out toward the mount of death and sacrifice. You await the coming of a savior. From what do you need salvation if not from your sins? If indeed you see and know your sins, then don the garb of penitence the violet of confession, the purple of penitence. Here rides the son of David, who comes in the name of the Lord. Here rides the Lord, our righteousness. Yet he is only righteous to you if his blood is shed for you. He is only the one who comes in the name of the Lord if he does what God must do for you. He is only the son of David if he seeks a divine throne according to the will of God. He is only the son of man if he redeems man in the flesh of man. All of this is done upon the holy cross in his holy death. It is the cross for which he enters Jerusalem and to which he rides in noble yet in humble pomp. It is the cross that becomes your righteousness as his blood pours forth upon it. It is the cross that reveals to you what God must do to save his people. It is the cross that serves as divine throne from which a son of David may seek his kingdom, a world filled with the lost and condemned, held sway by death. It is the cross that sees your redemption as the Son of Man in the flesh of man takes death into himself. See then in this season what you do not see, See that Advent and Lent are not so different, for they both seek the flesh of God riding on for a singular purpose, death. In Advent, the church awaits this flesh as it enters creation, anticipating what is to come so shortly after. In Lent, the church walks with this flesh as it continues its journey into the grave. Then the fasting ceases, 
and the alleluias ring, for when that flesh dies, yours lives. When that flesh rises, your salvation is proclaimed. See in your manger scenes what you do not see, death. For that flesh within the wood of the manger is the very same flesh that will hang upon the wood of the cross. The flesh and the wood become for you in manger and on cross the picture of your life and salvation. He comes at last. The seed of the woman, the word of the eternal promise of God, enfleshed and birthed into the darkness of this mortal world. He comes as the salvation of Isaac and the fulfillment of Abraham's lineage. He comes to gather the nations into himself to grant the ultimate desire of humanity, full communion with God in the flesh. He comes to make from hearts of stone children of Abraham according to the blood of the new covenant in his death. See him ride in noble pomp to his death and rejoice in his coming for this purpose. For he comes for you. He dies for you. And he lives for you. That you children of Abraham may also be the ones who come in the name of the Lord, by water, by spirit, and by blood. Amen.